0: Tonight's first Bible reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1, and can be found on page 1136 of the Church Bibles. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues." All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines.
1: And the reading continues on straight away. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then, workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but eagerly desire the greater gifts.
2: Uh, Gifts are a hot topic. Uh, Gifts are a hot topic uh, in our society. Every parent, it seems, uh, wants to be told that their child is gifted. Whatever way it might be, they want their child to be in that special category of gifted who needs special educational care because... They are special. It's a hot topic generally in society. What does it mean to be gifted? Why would you call someone gifted if there's no God? Why didn't you just call it talented? But it's a hot topic especially in the church because we have a Bible that talks about gifts, that talks about spiritual gifts, and indeed it talks about Impressive, supernatural, miraculous gifts like speaking in strange languages and healing people. And we want to know, don't we? Do these sort of gifts still exist? And if they do, how do I get one? Or are gifts now just natural abilities? Most of all, I think... Gifts are a hot topic because we have one key question, what is my gift? That's what we want to know, isn't it? Because we all have the idea that I'm valuable if I have a gift and so I want a good gift and then when I know my gift, I'll know what to do. Gifts were a hot topic for the Corinthians because when it came to gifts, the Corinthians were hot. They had every gift, every impressive gift and they, most of all it seems, were impressed by themselves. And Paul can see, maybe because of the letter that they've written him or maybe because of the reports that he's heard, that this giftedness, this impress, being impressed with giftedness was causing trouble in their relationships Trouble in their meetings was leading to divisions. And that's why he writes Corinthians 12 to 14. Tonight in chapter 12, you see on your outline there, he says to them three things. There are different gifts, but one sign of the Spirit. There are different gifts, but they are all from the one God. And so, therefore, There are many members, but just one body. He gets their attention very well in verse 1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. This is a bit like uh, writing to Michael Phelps and saying, Now, about swimming, Michael, I do not want you to be ignorant. Can you imagine how offensive that would be? How much Paul has now got their attention? How could they be ignorant? They are so gifted. But there's a clue here. For though our translation has got here spiritual gifts, in the original there's no gifts word in verse 1. Yes, he uses the word for spiritual gifts in verse 4, but to begin with, to set the scene, to set the foundation, to put it in the right context, he talks about spirituals. Now, about spirituals, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You say, what spiritual what? Spiritual things, perhaps? Spiritual matters? Or spiritual people? in understanding what it means to be really spiritual, brothers, in understanding the place of these seemingly spiritual things that you are doing, I do not want you to be ignorant. And there's something very important that he does not want them to be ignorant about. For there's just one sign of a truly spiritual person. Verse 2. You know that when we were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's something you need to understand, he says to the Corinthians. There is one thing that our hearts are so hard about that we can never do on our own. There is one thing that matters so much that the Spirit gives to all God's people. It is this, the ability to say, Jesus is Lord. Saying the three words is clearly easy. You could teach a parrot to do that. But meaning them, and meaning them not just in an abstract sense that Jesus is the God's king, the ruler of the universe, but Jesus is my king, that's impossible. That's impossible for a human heart and mind to say unless the Spirit of God has been given to them. Do you see that? It's very clear. No one can say Jesus is Lord except By the Holy Spirit. And so anyone who does say Jesus is Lord, it's very clear, isn't it? Do they have the Spirit? Yes. For there is no other way that they can say that and mean it. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He puts it positively in verse 13. We were all baptised by one spirit into one body. We were all baptised. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Anyone who's a Christian, anyone who has Jesus as Lord, has the spirit. And so there's just one sign of a spiritual person. There are different gifts, but only one sign Of the Spirit. Do you believe this? For if you do, there are so many implications. If no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, then if you know you are not yet someone who is a Christian, you are not yet someone who has Jesus as your Lord, then this verse tells you you need help. You cannot do this on your own. It is no good simply trying harder to believe. You need God's Spirit to change you. And so ask Him to give you His Spirit. As we think about making disciples in our community, as i concern for my parents or your concern for the people in your family and amongst your friends who do not yet have Jesus as their Lord, we do need to connect with people, we do need to share Jesus with people, but ultimately, they need God's Spirit. We need to pray that God will give His Spirit or it will all come to nothing. Or you think about yourself, if you're someone who has Jesus as your Lord. You want to know which gift you've got. I wish I had their gift, you think. Verse 3 tells you, you already have the greatest gift there is. You already have the gift of God's Spirit. You've already been given membership in the body of Christ. Do you treasure that gift? And do you treasure others who are in the body of Christ who have that gift? Clearly they do because there's no other way that they could say Jesus is Lord. Do you accept them as Christians merely on that basis? Or do you expect them to be like you or to go to an Anglican church or to have a church like your church? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And verse 3 means, if anyone ever says to you that, oh yes, you have Jesus as your Lord, but you're not yet a full Christian, you haven't really experienced God's Spirit, you're not yet a Spirit-filled Christian until you've had this experience, until you can sing like this, until you can speak in tongues, whatever it might be. Verse 3 tells you, that is a lie. And you ought to remember 1 Corinthians 12, and know it's near the beginning if you can't remember the number 3, so you can get it out and say to them, that's a lie. And stop trying to convert me to your view of Christianity. For God says... If I have Jesus as my Lord, I'm a real Christian, a Spirit-filled Christian. There are different gifts, but there's only one sign of the Spirit. Having Jesus as your Lord. There are different gifts, says Paul, but they are all from the one God. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. This time he does use the word gifts. There are different gifts, he's saying. He says that three times, but they all come from the one God. God, and it's striking, isn't it? He doesn't just say God each time. He doesn't say Spirit each time. It's Spirit, Lord, the Lord Jesus, and God, God the Father. Paul believed the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. He believed it from the very beginning of his preaching. This is very early on, 1 Corinthians And he says it here without even thinking much about it. It's so entrained in his mind. There is one God in three persons. There is diversity in God himself. And so no wonder there is diversity in God's church. And what diversity there is. Have a look at verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of knowledge, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. What extraordinary diversity. And when you read a list like that, you want to know, don't you? Which one's me? When I was first a Christian when I was 15, when I first had the Spirit of God and said, Jesus is Lord, I was part of a church that was very big on gifts. And I can remember quite clearly, they got out a list a list, a compilation of all the different lists of gifts in the New Testament and beside each name of the gift there was a definition that someone had come up with somehow. And then there was a questionnaire where you were asked about various things, you would give a rating as to the various things, your experiences or your skills and you got a a score at the bottom and that told you what your gifts were. It was stimulating and exciting and affirming, especially if you ended up with the gift that you were really hoping for. And I suspect many of us are thinking, where is that list? Give me the web address, and I'll complete the survey. Because we want to know what our gift is. And when we read a list like this in the New Testament, we are thinking, which one? But are we really supposed to do that? Is that helpful? Do you know that the New Testament never tells us to work out what our gifts are? We're never commanded to do that. We're never given instructions on how to do that. And how would you work out what your gift is? I mean, what are the choices? Well, here's a list. There are other lists in the New Testament, but they are different each time. So none of them clearly are exhaustive and they leave out obvious gifts that even in the first century must have been relevant. Nowhere is the gift of music or singing mentioned. Do you think they didn't do that in the first century? Of course not. What about children's ministry? It's never mentioned. Youth ministry, seniors ministry, not mentioned. And today, of course, you'd want to have the gift of making the computer work on time for the service, wouldn't you? These are lists of gifts, but they are not exhaustive. And how do you know what are the ones to add in? What's more, these things are named. But we don't have any way of knowing what they are. Have a look at the list. Verse 8, the message of wisdom. What is that? Is it a message to you, if you've got the gift? Or a message for someone else? doesn't say. And how's it different to the message of knowledge? And what's the gift of faith? I mean, all Christians have got to have faith. How can some have the gift of faith and not others? And then there's the gifts, plural, of healing. Some people are good at healing the common cold. Some people are good at healing the amputated leg, perhaps. We don't know. What exactly is the gift of tongues? What is the gift of miraculous powers? Sounds like a superhero thing. How would you know what it is? There's no explanation, no definition given in the Bible, and the first century writings don't tell us either. We're all guessing. That's okay, because the point of the list is not to identify what the gifts are. The Corinthians knew what he was talking about, I presume because they had all these gifts in their congregation. What is the point of the list? The point's very clear, really. He keeps saying these things are given by the same Spirit. Verse 7, do you see it there? Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is, is given for the common good, to each one for the common good. Verse 11, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. Indeed, I don't think gifts really are what we think they are most of the time. We think that a gift is an ability But if you look at verses 4 to 6, there's more to a gift than just the ability. There are different kinds of gifts, verse 4. Verse 5, different kinds of service. Verse 6, different kinds of working. You can see that each verse is the same. They parallel each other. And you can call the same thing gifts. You can call the same thing service. You can call the same thing working. And so I reckon if you do cleaning, you know you do some cleaning at home or you're on the cleaning roster at church, that's a service, isn't it? You're serving other people and there's certainly some working involved. So that's fitting with the definitions in verses 4 to 6. And I take it that assuming that you get the job done and the room looks cleaner than it did at the beginning, I reckon you've got the gift, For you've been using what you've got to serve others. If you go around caring for other people when they're sick and you provide for them and there's service involved and there's work involved for you and hopefully the person feels cared for by the end of the day, I reckon you've got the gift. Don't be worried about it, just keep doing it. Because a gift is an ability but also the using of it, the opportunity to do it. And so instead of praying... Oh Lord, please help me to find my gift so I know how to serve because I can't start until I know what the gift is. I think we should be assured that we've got gifts. It says that here. It's a promise. And pray instead, Lord, please help me to find opportunities to serve and use whatever it is you've given me. Because it's really about service isn't it? And when we're looking for leaders, we don't need to gaze into their eyes and try and figure out what their abilities are. We need to see who's already serving. You wouldn't pick someone who wasn't serving yet and see how they are serving, what areas seems to work for them. And that's a pretty good guy. And of course in the midst of all this thinking about gift, we mustn't forget that as we saw in Ephesians 4, we're all to do the work of ministry. No matter what your gift is, every Christian is to do the work of ministry. And what was that again, do you remember? Speaking the truth in love. There are different gifts, but they all come from the one God for the common Good. Two points from Paul. There are different gifts, but there's only one sign of the Spirit saying Jesus is Lord. There are different gifts, but they're all from the one God for the common good. And now, third point. Paul moves from the gifts to the people. There are many members but one body. Verse 12. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. Verse 14, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is so obvious, you don't need to explain it much, do you? How many arms have you got? Most of you have got two. How many legs? Two. Toes? Ten. Head? One. Is any one of those, no matter how important, a body? No. You need all of those to make a body and a whole lot more. There are many members, but one body. Verse 12, so it is with Christ, with his body, the church. And so imagine for a moment, verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to your body. Have a look at your foot. Imagine it running off one day because it realizes by looking at your hand, that's different. I don't belong here. Or imagine for a moment, verse 16, your eye, more likely now your eye can see, oh, sorry, ear, your ear can't see. Forget that, verse 16. Imagine your ear somehow discovering there was such a thing as an eye. Oh, I'm not an eye. I think I'll just drop off because I don't belong to the body. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Of course they belong. They are members of one body. What does this represent? It's fairly obvious, isn't it? People have gifts, different gifts, and so people are different. They are different members of the one body. But you must not think that you would only belong to the body If you have a particular gift, you must not think, if I'm not really spiritual with the right spiritual gift, I don't belong. Some people feel like that, don't they? In Corinth, I suspect, those people who didn't have these spectacular gifts of speaking in tongues or healing the sick, they saw those who did and they felt like outsiders like they didn't belong. Our church is not like that. I suspect that in our church, if you're not a leader type person, if you're not someone who teaches the Bible to other people perhaps, you might think, I don't really belong. I don't have the gift. But remember what Paul's been saying. There are different gifts but only one sign of the Spirit. Do you have Jesus as Lord? Then you are a Spirit-filled Christian and you belong. There are different gifts, but they're all from the one God. And all of them matter. Indeed, imagine if we were all the same, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So if God has made you a foot, and he's made someone else a hand, that's good if someone else speaks in tongues and you haven't even got a clue what that means, that's good because you both belong and God has designed it that way. In fact, don't you dare say that you don't belong because who are you criticising when you say that? Not just you, but God. Because God arranged it that way. You provide the supper, someone else preaches the sermon. Don't you dare say that you don't belong or you don't matter. God has arranged the body. In fact, let's just imagine for a moment that everybody here prepared a sermon for the service on Sunday. Everybody here during the week spent hours and hours preparing a sermon, got it ready, had it printed out, and came to church ready to preach it. Imagine how long the service would go for. You think tonight's service is going for a long time. It would go all night and through to tomorrow night. And then one of you, of course, with the gift of efficiency, would realize we can do this a better way and all get home much earlier. Let's all preach at once. All speak at once so that everyone is a mouth and no one is an ear and no one can understand it anyway because everyone is speaking at once. Would that be good? Of course not. And imagine all the ministry during the week that wouldn't happen because we'd all be spending the time preparing a sermon. People wouldn't get visited when they were sick, scripture classes wouldn't get taught this. Children's ministry wouldn't get prepared for. There wouldn't be meals cooked for those who needed them. The list would go on and on. It would be a disaster. There are many members and one body, and you must not say, I don't belong. Paul finally warns of the opposite problem. Verse 21 The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If there are outsiders, those without the key gifts, supposedly, there are the insiders who do. Perhaps in Corinth, those who could speak in tongues and heal the sick. Perhaps in our church, those in leadership or with gifts in teaching, who are tempted to look down on others. There are so many reasons that is wrong, aren't there? There are different gifts, yes, but there's just one sign of the Spirit saying that Jesus is Lord. Anyone like that belongs. There are different gifts, but they all come from the one God for the common good. If we had all the same gift, it would be completely ineffective. God has arranged it this way. Those reasons alone, without Paul saying anything more, would be enough, wouldn't it? And if that's not enough for you, just think about the word gift. What does that mean? It's a gift given to you. And whatever gift you've been given in life, can you ever be proud of a gift? Of course not. There's one final reason. Have a look at what Paul says, verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour to those who think that they might be more important and that the weaker parts don't belong. He says, think about the body for a moment. God has designed the body so that all of us have parts that are less honourable and that we cover up. They are treated with special honour. And the church is to be like that. In every church that I've been in, as I think back, there have been those who don't really quite fit in with everyone else in the church. With those who are less honourable than others in the church. Those who are awkward in some way. Those who are different in some way. Those who society would think are not worth giving the time of day to. I remember one church in particular, which was in the inner city, and in that area there were many boarding boarding houses, and there were many people with mental illnesses and all sorts of things in the congregation. It was a strange congregation to be part of. I remember one woman in particular, her particular thing was to sneak up behind you at morning tea and yank on your earlobe just because she wanted to. She had no impressive gifts. She was never going to be on any roster. Was she a gift to the church? You bet she was. She was God's gift to the church. For she was to teach us to honour those parts of the body that are less honourable. And it was a great joy to see the church doing justice. In my previous church there was a man, a young man, who was engaged to be married. He had a stroke. He became a paraplegic. He can barely understand what he said. He's in a Bible study group. And a friend of mine said to me, Morgan is the best thing that ever happened to that Bible study group. For they had to arrange to look after him, to get him to the Bible study group, to pray for him, to listen carefully when he spoke in the Bible study group. He was God's gift to them. So that they might honour those parts that seem less honourable. There are different gifts, but only one sign of the Spirit. There are different gifts but they all come from the one God. And so there are many members and one body. We dare not feel that we are useless or envy the gifts of others. We dare not be proud. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift, the best gift of your Spirit, without which, without whom, no one can say Jesus is Lord. So, Father, we pray that we would accept and value all those who have Jesus as their Lord, knowing that no matter what gifts they have or that we have, We have been given to the body. The parts have been arranged, as you decided, for the good of the body. Help us to find opportunities to serve, rather than looking to figure out our gifts. And Father, help us to never feel useless. Help us to not envy the gifts of others. And Father, help us to never be proud.